Hello, this is Russell Davis with The Art of the Artist, and my guest today is a singer, yes, but far more than that, because it's Dame Vera Lynn, who in the days of wartime, 70 and more years ago, became the expression and the symbol of all this country's best hopes, the voice of human affection amid all the conflict. But we shall start even earlier in her story than that and roll on through the full half-century of showbiz success that followed. I travelled down to her home in rural Sussex to meet her and to find out, first of all, whether, as I assume, she always knew she wanted to be a singer. Well, um, I didn't know I was going to be a singer, but uh, I suppose I felt that that was something that I could do and possibly make my living. Yeah. And... Um, you were very good with your hands, weren't you? I mean, sewing and stuff like that. You yes, did a lot and of... I used to like sewing and painting and uh, anything that involved my hands, embroidery, dressmaking, yeah. things like that. But a band, a, a real band, took you on very young. You were very young. It was Howard Baker's band, was it? How... Yes, Howard yeah. Baker. He was a local gig band. He did all the local dance halls. And he had two or three bands under his banner. Uh, the Ambassadors was one, one I remember. And uh, he used to go around the um, dance halls and uh, the bath halls because in those days they used to have put a floor over swimming pools huh? in baths and uh, utilised it as a dance hall. And uh, so, of course... It was wonderful experience, really, yeah. all around London. He wasn't known for making records, but you did make a record with Howard. Well, Lee, yes, it it was a private-made record that he did. It wasn't published, uh -huh. and it wasn't on the market. Oh, it was one of those hundred copies things. Yes, it, yes. it was yeah. a, th a thing that he had done. So that was the first one I. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can still hear it. There are surviving copies. We, yes, we, we apparently can. there is. <laughs> Teledisc label it was. The very young Vera Lynn with Howard Baker's band. And, and no matter what stage you were on, you were always Vera Lynn. You never sang under any other names. No, no, no never. Never. It was my, Lynn was my grandmother's maiden name. Yeah. It's an Irish name. Yes. When I first did my concert in public, I decided to... Uh, take my grandmother's name instead of Welch. Yeah. I thought it sounded a bit smoother. It seems to have worked, I must <laughs> say, yeah, yeah. And you already had, even on that first record, you already had that diction, that very clear, you could hear every word very clearly. Did you? Yes, I was always conscious of the, of the lyrics and, um, you know, I mean, there were nice songs and, you, and you, I'd like... like people to understand what I was singing about. So I was concentrated on uh, being very particular about the uh, pronunciation. Yeah, yeah. And that stayed with you all the way through the career? You've well, seen yes, it, it certainly did. Yes, yes. But learning words, that wasn't your favourite part of the process? No, I, I had always had trouble in learning words. I had to keep singing them and singing them to myself and practising them. Uh, I don't know why that was, but uh, 
it took a long time for me to <laughs> yeah. really uh, remember the words. I always had a, a fear when I went on stage in case I forgot the words. <laughs> but once they were in there, they were pretty secure. Oh, yes, in. once they were there, they stayed there. And there was no... Um, once you started making records, you weren't exclusive to anybody. You could sing... You sang with all kinds of bands. Oh, records, yes, actually. with different uh, gig bands, you know. They wanted a vocalist and... Uh, Prima Scala, I think, was one name. That's the accordion band. Um, yes, yes, and of course, yes. Charlie Coons. Yes. I sang with him and Bert Ambrose. Yeah. And sometimes with a theatre organ you would sing and you'd... All kinds he, oh, of bands. Oh, yes. Uh, Charles, Charles Smart, Smart yeah. was yeah. his name, yes. Yes. Well, it was a time when a lot of the musicians was going into the army and the Air Force, you see. So there wasn't a lot of... Um, orchestras or bands about mm, mm, mm. so uh, just had to do with an organ yes but but the thing to be with was a broadcasting band wasn't it really a band that was on the radio is what you wanted and you you joined two at once more or less you had joe loss and charlie coons well charlie little... coons came first we used to broadcast from the kasani club yes. in regent street and then I had a, a, an offer. I did an audition and I had an, a, an offer to sing with uh, Ambrose. So, of course, he was very well known. Yeah. And um, that's how I got into the big bands. Yes. Billy Cotton, very briefly, but he made a mistake, didn't he? He gave oh, you Oh, yes, yes. He, he, uh, he didn't fancy travelling around the the country with, with a young girl. He didn't think... Uh, <laughs> right. Well, I wouldn't be safe with the boys or not, I don't know. <laughs> so um, I didn't stay very long with him. You always chose your own songs. You I didn't... always chose my own songs, yes. Uh -huh. yes. Because unless I felt happy with the, uh, with the tune that I could cope with within my range yeah. and with words that I liked. Yeah. And by and large, they weren't. There were no. There was no fast stuff. They were medium tempo or ballads. And, oh yes, yes, yes yeah, yeah. Al always ballad. I didn't do the tempo stuff no. at all. Right, right. Obviously, the war was coming. But did you feel that it was? Did you feel that something bad was on its way? Well, we all got a feeling that there was trouble ahead, you know. And I thought, oh dear, there's going to be a war. That's my career gone for a Burton, as it were, yeah. you know, because I'd, I didn't think at the time that there would be um, a place for me anywhere until the broadcasting and then, of course, later television came in, Alexander Palace. And you did a bit of that before the war, didn't you? Yes, yes. yes. Very strange process in those oh, days. Oh, it was. <clears throat> Most peculiar makeup. It was very dark. I mean, today you made up for, for television. You can go in off the street, as it were, with whatever makeup the girls wear today. But you couldn't in those days. You had to have special makeup, and it was very peculiar. I, know, I remember when I first went to America and they were trying out coloured television. Huh? And then, of course, then it changed. Yes. That was a funny makeup. Yeah. For television when it started, but now of course you could just wear ordinary day makeup yeah. or no makeup at all. 
But up at Ali Pali in those studios, you couldn't move about at all in front of the camera, could you? Didn't you have to stand on a spot? And... Oh, yes, you were given a spot to stand on and you couldn't move. But that, of course, all closed down when the war did start. Yes. Do you remember where you were the day, that Sunday when it broke out? Where were you on September the 3rd, 1939? Oh, I was at home uh, uh, with my mother and uh, we were listening to the radio because we all, we'd heard that there was something afoot. And um, when we heard that war had been declared, I thought, oh, well, there goes my career. There won't be any... Uh, it'll all be war yes. talk and things like that, you know. But, of course, I wasn't expecting anything like the Forces Sweetheart to come along. No, of course. <laughs> and, they, of course, they did close down the theatres yes. for a little while. But, oh, uh, yeah, but yes, they... yes. It, well, it was a, a nice programme, giving messages and receiving messages and... Yes. Talking to the boys overseas and... Controversial programme. I mean, debates about it in the House of Parliament and everything. Well, yes, the, the, uh, they tried to stop it because they said it would make the boys homesick mm. and and it, they would get sad and, you know, and, and, and not be strong enough to... But I said, that's absolute rubbish, you know. I mean, it's nice for them to have messages from their family and their loved ones. Well, you had all these letters coming in to show oh, them that. Yes. Oh, I know. Hundreds sacks of letters. Sacks of letters. Yeah. Of letters. Yeah. And I'm so sorry that I never kept them, but there was a drive on for paper. Of course, yeah. Everyone was say, saving their newspapers and everything, and I had this sack full of lovely letters under the bed, yeah. keeping them. You know, I kept every one of them. And I felt so guilty one day. I thought, here, here they are asking for paper. So it must be very important. So I, I thought, oh, well. So I handed in all my letters. Oh. It would be very interesting reading now from different parts of the world. Yes, because you had an audience, big audience in, in Holland and in Denmark. Yes, and, yeah. yes, all over the continent. Yeah. And um, that's where I got... <clears throat> A vast audience after the war was over because I kept getting requests to go to Holland, Norway, Denmark, Sweden, anywhere where the people spoke English. Yeah. I could do programmes. And sometimes they liked different songs from the ones that we were familiar with. Oh, yes. yeah. Oh, yes, they asked for all kinds of songs, not necessarily the, the ones that were like White Cliffs of Dover and... You'll never know, and yes, and all you know the popular songs. Yes, they're asking for all kinds of songs because they'd heard them on the radio. We'll meet again. That had come slightly before the war, hadn't it? It was already... 1939. Yes. that was written. Uh, Ross Parker, yes, and um, Huey Charles wasn't Huey it? Huey Charles. Oh, that's yes. right. Yes. They must have seen the war coming because it's a very wartime type well, song. Well, apparently it was, it was written before the war. Yeah. I think they just, it was a nice saying, or oh, we'll meet again, you know, friends, family and everything. So, of course, when war started and I did my programme, that was an ideal <laughs> song. Of course. I thought, oh, I've yeah. got the right song to sing here. 
And on the original one, Arthur Young accompanied you on the Nova chord, which we never hear now. I think it's the most famous appearance of the Nova chord anywhere on Well, you see, all the musicians was in the army, oh, yeah. all the Air Force. Yeah. Mm -mm. So they were just using the piano and the Nova chord was a great instrument because it was much better than just a piano. Yeah. What did it look I've never seen one. What did it look like? Well, it was a kind of a piano. Yeah. Small piano, uh, but had a different keys and different sound. Yes. Like a little organ. But I think one of the moving things about that record is that it's you all by yourself with this slightly strange yes. accompaniment. And it's... Oh. Yes, it was... Uh, it's quite different than having a, a nice big band at the back of you, yes. you know. Sweeping strings and everything. Yes, it wasn't you, that. you it was, relied purely yeah. and simply on just this one instrument and yourself. Yes, it's a symbol of, of Britain alone, I think. Now, as soon as the bombing started in London, you were affected immediately because you had the uh, the Hoban Empire incident. Didn't oh, you? yes, yes. Well, that was a strange thing. It was so successful that uh, they decided to uh, change the venue and, and, and do it at the Palladium, which was a jolly good job they did because, you see, when the um, the raids started and, and we'd done a night's work at the Hoban Empire, I would stay in the theatre because I lived in Barking and from the West End down into Barking was what they called Bomb Alley. Ah, yeah. All the East End was blitzed. So I had to stay in the theatre all night until... The war sirens. Uh, the all clear thing. The all clear, yes, yes, sounded. Yeah. When they sound the last all clear. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. a, That's a good well known song. song. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You were very independent, weren't you? Because you had your own car and you would drive. Yes, my little Austin 10, and I drove it everywhere, which was absolutely necessary, you know, because there wasn't all that much public transport. Yes. And. Um, Petrol was very rationed. It was on coupons. Did you have extra coupons as an entertainer? Oh, yes, yes. I, I, I was allowed extra coupons because oh. of entertaining the services and, and, um, and the public, you know. They thought it was morale boosting yeah. and uh, that it was essential that people should have entertainment. Yeah. And uh, so, of course, I got extra coupons for that and I also got extra coupons for for my dresses because uh -huh. I had to have stage clothes and um, they took quite a few coupons. Well, for... I bet they did because there'd be yes. a length of material. Yes, that, yes. Lot, yeah. Lot. Yeah. Or floaty dresses in at that time. Yeah. Mm. They weren't made of silk, unfortunately, because that was difficult to get hold of. Yes, yeah. Fabric made of silk. It was a sort of rayon, uh -huh. yeah. and it it didn't float quite as much as the silk did. Yeah, all the silk manufacturers be making parachutes at the time, I suppose, and stuff like that. Yeah, you wanted to entertain overseas. I mean, it yes. was your yes your initiative that. Uh... Yes, well, I'd been getting all these uh, letters uh, for um, requests to families and from back and forwards. And um, 
I asked permission if I could do a, a, a separate little program just to uh, send good wishes and keep safe and come back soon, you know. And it was so successful, they asked me would I do a, a series, which I did, which went on more or less through the war. Yes, yes. Yes. But when it came to going overseas, did they give you a choice of where you might go? Did they say, where would you like to go? No, no. It, um, I approached Ensa and said I'd like to go overseas to do some shows for the boys because I've been getting all these yeah. fan letters. So they said, well, where do you want to go? Um, France is where we're selling our artists. So I said, well, I know there is an Ensa party going overseas, but I want to go somewhere where there isn't anybody going. Right. I said, I, I don't want to double up. I want to give the boys a, a, a show somewhere else. So they said, well, if you'd go to Burma, we could organise that for you. So, of course, it was done through the government, of course, because ENSA couldn't organise that because of the places I was going to go to. And... um so I said, fine, well, you, in no time, they organised it and got a phone call to say, right, you're, you're going overseas to Burma and um, Fly. go and get kitted up and yes. get your injections. Injections, and, uh, so many of those. Yeah. <laughs> yellow fever and all the yes. rest of it. Mm. So that's what I did and, and off I went. And you had to fly in little hops, and you hadn't flown before, had you? Had you flown? I had, no, I hadn't been that? flown yeah. before, so it was quite an experience. Yeah. Did it in stages, went to Gibraltar first and the seaplane. Yeah. And, and then... That can't have been easy because you couldn't fly across France. No, you had to go right the way round. Yeah. Round America. Couldn't fly over the uh, channel because there was a little spot of bother going on well, down of there. Course. <laughs> but when you got there to Burma, those must have been the most uncomfortable conditions that any singer has ever had to work under. Well, yes. I mean, uh, I just sort of was billeted in grass shacks, no running water, no electricity. Everything was brought in, water was flown in every day for washing, drinking or whatever, and um, and food was rather scarce, lived mostly on rice. And I think one particular place I went to, they said, oh, got no food, what should we do? And it happened to be a, a little kid in the, in the grounds, and so I heard that they... They killed that and made a meat dish. Sort of goat stew. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Good job I didn't know anything about it. <laughs> yeah. I took it for granted that they had meat, of course, which they hadn't. <laughs> and when you when you were on stage, when you were entertaining, did you start out with dresses? And I, I've seen a lot of photographs of you, and you're usually wearing khakis. Uh, oh, like, yes. Like I, well, I went out with a nice... Uh, stage dress, floaty chiffony thing, but it was impossible. Yeah. So hot, it got perspiration just... The boys used to laugh when I first wore it, you know, because as I went through my programme, I was my dress was getting darker and darker with perspiration, <laughs> you know, and they thought it was quite funny. So I gave that up and just 
worked in my khaki. The casualty stations and hospitals must have been tough to see. I mean, a lot of... It was very hot, yes. And And it wasn't just injuries and wounds, it was diseases as well. There were so many things you could catch. Oh, I know. It wasn't very pleasant going around the the, um, tents because the casualty clearing stations... And uh, there's no proper hospitals in Dimapur, where I was stationed, was the, at the base of Kahima, where the battle, battle was. was going. Yes, yes. And um, I was stationed in Dimapur, which was the nearest that I was allowed to go. Yes. And musically, you only had piano with you. Yes, yeah. just a piano, little mini piano, which we carried around in a little van thing and uh, with the uh, microphone which they used to hack up into the uh, the the, the uh, batteries you know that was yeah necessary yeah. for the floodlights and uh, yeah. searchlights and things and uh, so well, there we went around with this little mini which sometimes fell apart when we put it on the stage because of the journey yes. on the roads weren't that yeah. <laughs> smooth. Yeah. And um, nothing was easy, was it? I mean, you, yeah. yeah. And, and the boys I read, used to I read somewhere you did manage to get a hotel bed somewhere and, and, and they, it had bed bugs in it. You know, you, there was just nothing that was comfortable about the whole experience. It was very, very hard. Oh, very primitive. Yes. 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 And how did you celebrate when it all finished in 1945? Well, I can't really remember because all the celebrations was over by the time I got home. Yeah. And you must have been very tired, I should think. Yeah. Yes, yes. I went down to... The, I had an aunt living in the country just outside Aldershot mm-hmm. and I went down there to recuperate and stayed with her which wasn't very nice. Then motherhood took over. Oh, yes, over. yes. I got married and uh, Virginia was born. And it was back to the old life of going round the music halls and cabarets and broadcasting started and television. But the BBC seemed to think that you belonged to the war and they, there was oh, somebody yes, at the no, BBC they, who they, thought They that, thought yeah. that... Um, it wasn't a good idea, too much reminding of the war and my songs weren't sort of happy, happy enough because I didn't do happy, happy songs. I only did sentimental songs and there was a quite a write-up in the paper about them trying to think of not letting me broadcast because uh, that's all the only kind of songs that I sang. And But anyway, that was all squashed. And there was Radio Luxembourg anyway, wasn't there, that you could do in well, those days? Yeah, there was Luxembourg. I did some Luxembourg programmes because of the, um, the only things to do, really. I did quite a few Luxembourg programmes. Now, the big American entertainers were starting to come over here then. Yes, Danny Kay, he started it At all. At the Palladium, yes. Yes, we hadn't anybody like that before. no. And, um, but there wasn't much going in the opposite direction until until you went, until you started uh, yes, in America. Yes, yes, I was the first British artist to uh, go to America. 
Was it a record that made that happen? Was it yours that came first? I can't well, remember. I suppose it was really, yes. Mm. Yes. They'd heard me on the radio and I got the chance to go, so here we went. <laughs> and you did a lot of radio with Tallulah Bankhead, didn't you? I didn't. Tallulah Bankhead's show you did on Oh, radio. yes, yes. She um, was a character, I must say. Yes, she, uh, she came on some of my programmes... That voice of hers, you know. She was very nice because I like to have um, other artists, you know, on the programmes yeah. because it um, made it more interesting. Tony Bennett, I think you met, didn't you? Oh, Maybe? yes, met Tony Bennett. He came back, came to New York from uh, Los Angeles. There was a programme, The Big Show. Yes. And um, we used to have... Um, Although it was my programme, we used to have uh, famous names from anywhere, you know, American people uh, on the programme. So uh, that was very nice mm -hmm. to be able to meet these people. Where, where did Alfie Zane come from? Had you heard that in, in well, German? Well, in German, um, obviously, first. I heard it in a, in a garden somewhere and I, and I heard this song, Alvida Zay, and I thought, well, that's a nice song. I wonder who publishes it. I didn't know. And I heard it in a beer garden and, and, and everyone was swaying backwards and forwards singing Alvida Zay uh, in, in German, of course. And when I came home, I, um, I began to make inquiries on if anybody knew the song from the publishers. And uh, anyway, they found out... That Peter Maurice, the music publisher, um, in Denmark Street, they found it in their catalogue. So I thought, well, yes, because I, you, in those days, you used to go around to the music publishers, and get them the exploitationist, oh, yes. to to play you their music that they were publishing, and uh, I heard it and I thought, oh. That, I know that song, you know, very popular. I thought, that's great. I'd like to do it. So I had some orchestrations made and... Uh, and a chorus of... Uh, drawn from all the services, all the forces. Oh, yes, yes, they all took it up. Yes. Yeah. Although it was in the German song, you know. Yes, so yes. It became very popular. Yeah. But the record with the, with the soldiers singing, that's... Uh... Nobody had done that before. No, the chorus of, no. Uh, that um, came about because I was doing a show with the boys, and we thought we'd we'd do it, and uh, they said, "Well, that's a good idea. We'll record that." Hmm. No, it'd never been done before. Peter Maurice, the company is that is that where Wally Ridley had been? At that's right, Wally Ridley. Because yes. he was a great ally of yours. Wasn't yes, he? yes, he he used to take me take me through all my songs, and because um, that's what you did in those days. You picked your own songs, and if, if, you, if you had a hit with it, nobody else recorded it. They just left it yeah. to the first artists. He, he was very helpful to a lot of people, Wally Ridley, wasn't he? Oh, he was. He was great. He used to spend hours with me playing the piano in Denmark Street. Yeah. And go through all the songs. And 
he was such a nice man. Yeah. Bob Farnan you worked with as well around Oh, yes, he yes. Was, he, he was a was great musician. Lovely, lovely musician. Yes. Lovely orchestra he had, yes. I made quite a few records with him. Yes. You, you tried at a certain stage at a season in Las Vegas and you were very well received, but the show was meant to be a kind of potted version of London yes, or something, Yes, the show wasn't very successful, I'm afraid. But um, I enjoyed it. I did very well. They they liked... I suppose I was a change with an English accent. And it was it was a, quite an experience. We used to go... After the show, we used to go out in the desert and have a picnic. It was pretty cold, let me tell you. Yes, everybody thinks it's scorching it out there. Yes. Yeah. At night time, the air was pretty cold. Yes. We used to have a barbecue... You were you were making albums, of course, quite a lot of albums. It was the era of the album, uh, the LP record, uh, and people, I think, today would be astonished how quickly you made those albums. You could make one in a few days. Oh they yes, take months now. To do yes, that. we used to go in and do a whole load of songs in one session, and then we'd pick out the best ones, and that's how really it started. The Beatles, of course, and the other groups changed everything, but but you you adapted to that. You made an album of sixties song hits of the sixties. Oh yes, 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 which was one of your best, I think. When did you? Yes, you... well, there was a lot of nice songs written in that time. Yeah, not all of them became hits. I mean, White Cliffs of Dover, We'll Meet Again, Yours, You Will Never Know. There's a few of them. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there was Be Like the Kettle and Sing, which came from the film I made, yes. cycling around the countryside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the album that surprised people most was the one you made in Nashville. Oh, yes. Well, I always liked uh, country uh, music. And I, I phoned up the, uh, the studio one day and... I said, I, I, I do like country songs. Is there any chance of me making a country album? They said, oh, I don't know. Um, so anyway, they came back. They said, yes, we think it's a good idea and make it with the Jordanaires because they were a very famous group. But you've got to go to Nashville to do it. I said, oh, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> so that's really how it... Uh, it was just because I liked the music because it, it was a certain similar feel to uh, music-wise and, and, and um, the lyrics of the songs were quite suitable for me. Yes, and quite broad melodies as well. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. even though there was a beat behind yes, them. Yes, so yeah. that it was really lovely and we'd, we'd go in the studio and do some... And and we and record some of them, and then we take the tapes and we'd go on the the Mississippi, and we'd go sailing up and down the Mississippi, playing them, that you know the the, so that we pick the best ones, and we were floating up the Mississippi, and the fish used to come out of the water and jump up, because the vibrations, I suppose, from the music. And there we were sitting in the boat and all the fish was jumping up all around the boat. Most eerie, really. <laughs> what a wonderful scene, yeah. 
At least they didn't dress you up in cowboy boots and all that. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> <laughs> you had a nice, was it a white suit, I think, or something on the album yes. cover. When the BBC saw Sense Again about you, that you made a lot of TV shows, did you enjoy the TV process, the whole...? Oh, yes, I did. You did? Yes, because it was different. It was something different every time, you know. Yeah. No, I did enjoy it very much. Among your greatest fans all this time were the royal family, weren't they? Particularly the Queen Mother. You were quite oh, chummy yes, with the yes. Queen Mother. Oh, yes, yes. She... She'd loved to when I used to go to Buckingham Palace for the, some of the reunions, you know, with the with the boys, and uh, we always sat together. And she'd she'd talk about the war, you know, and she'd ask me some of my experiences, and and she was always interested in how I managed family life with my professional life. She'd ask me about Virginia when she was little, and. She'd speak about Charles, you know. Yeah. She was lovely. Yeah. She'd ask me how I managed to have a career and handle, you know, with a small baby. She was interested in, in that. Well, it was a very nice friendship to have, wasn't yes, it? it yes, was. yes, yes. Yeah. We always sat together wherever we were in the same venue or environment for something. Mm. And, uh, and she loved to talk about the war. Mm. Because she all stayed here, she never went away. Yes, and Buckingham Palace was bombed, of course. Like, yes, yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah. Now you know, in all of this, you didn't listen very much to other singers, did you? Because you didn't. Well, no, I to... made a point of not doing listening to other singers because it's quite easy to get into um, the way other people, you know. Yes. Would sing a song, and I didn't want that. So I purposely made a point of, at an early stage, not to listen to American singers. I didn't want to become Americanized in my addiction. Yes, yes. Which does happen. Yes. But it didn't happen to you even in Nashville, I must say. You were still you. Yes, I made a you, point of... of yeah. You had every excuse to Keeping, be a yes, Western, but you didn't do it. Keeping my own um, nationality. Yes, yes. I'm not sure there's anybody about now who has as true a voice as yours. I, I mean both musically true, which it's always been, but also emotionally true. Um, you have to believe what you're singing, don't you? When, when I was asked to sing a song or record or broadcast a song, I would always study the lyrics first. And if I was comfortable with it and I liked the words and, I li and there was nothing in it that I felt uncomfortable with, I, I, I wouldn't sing it. Yes. And you, you have to believe it's worth singing too, yes. don't you? Yes, yeah. I had to believe in the words before I could sing them. Yes. I turned down a lot of songs because I didn't feel that they were, were my words. Yes. Well, it's a wonderful legacy and... Uh, we're going to enjoy more of it uh, oh, this, thank year, you. this year. We look forward to hearing more thank of it. There you. will be a lot of it in the summer. Dame Virilin, it's been a great, great pleasure to talk oh, to you. Been... And, and thank you not only for today, but for all that you've given to our national life through your music. Well, I've enjoyed it all very much. And uh, it's taken me to places where I would never have gone before, experienced different things and... Uh, that I shall never ever forget. And I just happened to be a singer 
took took me to certain places that I'd never been and never been back to, but still was always be always in my memory. And so that was Dame Vera Lynn in 2014. No longer using the voice for singing, of course, but it still has those qualities of straightforwardness and bravery and truth, including musical truth, that have made her songs so treasurable for so many decades. It was an honour and a pleasure to see her still relishing the role in our national life that talent and history combined to bring her. My thanks to her, to her daughter Virginia, who looked after us on the day, and to my producer, Sarah Cropper, this was a Wise Buddha production for BBC Radio 2, online, on digital radio and on 88 to 91 FM.